message, but it wasn't until this morning I realized, oh, you know, this is Memorial Day weekend. And uh, usually I have some kind of spin, you know, as a, as a spin on Memorial Day. Well, you know, I thought about it. What we're going to talk about today is memorializing. So, what's your spin? <laughs> but we do want to think about those who have given their life for this country, for the freedoms we have. And I uh, encourage you to think about that over this weekend, and especially Monday. Remember those who have given their lives that we may have. All right, last week we began the message, Dare to Raise a Daniel. Today we're going to finish the message, and I'll entitle it, uh, for Andy's sake, Dare to Raise a Daniel Part 2. Now, I think we've made it clear over the past few weeks that we're not to raise our children, nor are we to be someone else. There's only one Daniel, and there's only one you. However, the Daniel of the Bible is a great study of God-given gifts, the purpose in those gifts, the character <coughs> support the gifts that God gives to us and our children. First of all, we must understand that God has a purpose and a plan. For each of us in this life, each of us have a unique mission from God. Think about that. And each of us will be endowed with gifts that are needed to fulfill God's perfect plan. Some may be given great intellectual ability, like Daniel. On the other hand, God may choose to give someone a disability to fulfill his purpose. Yes, we are each uniquely endowed with gifts and calling for a spe special purpose that no other is meant to fill than you. Purpose to fill somebody else's needs. And there is somebody out there who is in need, and you are called to fill that need. Our gifts, you know, are carriers, we talked about that last week, to our calling. A calling that puts you in the place of guiding someone to Christ to encourage other believers. And it also puts others to be in the place to encourage us in the work of the Lord. It's very easy to see how Daniel's gifts brought him into a special place with the king. The king had a need to see the one and only true God. God chose Daniel for that job. God has chosen you. He has chosen your children for a special assignment in life. We all differ one from another in our assignments from God, but we all carry three things that I, at least that I've thought of in common as we carry out that mission God has for us. Number one, 2 Peter 3 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, for not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. First thing is that. We are to be saved. That is God's plan for everyone. We are to trust Christ as our Savior. This is the first step in understanding our plan and purpose in life. God says that all should come to repentance, though repentance has many different viewpoints. In our study of God's gifts, his calling, and character, it is turning from our own thoughts to follow God's will, God's way, and God's leading. God has everyone start at the same place. We first must be saved. It's not an option. 
It is the beginning point for all people who will seek and rest. Shai Shapan rest. And so we do it. Now, number two. Let me, let me just jump back about that, that part of rest there. You know, the Bible does tell us that it's God who's going to put us into his will. I've said it this way. You can do it the easy way. But when we look at people, we see people like Paul, who said, I've finished my course. He said, I'm ready to go, but if God, we have something else we need to do for these people, I'll be here. You know, he understood he was ready to go. His ending was good. But we studied Jonah. God had performed his will through him. But you look at the end of that, and it's just like a big, there's no like ending. It's a big question mark. He said, I'll do well with the ending. Both went God through God's will, but one went through knowing and understanding and appreciating his, his plot home. The other one wrestled all the way through. Number two, not only do we have to be saved, but the end of our plan and purpose is the same for all to magnify God. To lead people to him, to give him the glory. Now, between these two points, there's another commonality we are all to have, and that's godly character. It's the way in which we conduct ourselves as we live out God's will in our life. Last week, we did a close study of Daniel's character. If I was to summarize it in one of the verses in the book, I would go to Daniel 6.3. It says, then this Daniel was preferred above the president's and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Daniel had an excellent spirit. Now, what is an excellent spirit? I wrote down a few things. Just three simple things. First and utmost, Daniel lived, now listen to this, and let God speak to your heart about this. Daniel lived what he believed, no matter what the Nobody wondered what Daniel believed. Wouldn't that be how we are? His testimony for God was unwavering. An excellent spirit involves a fully committed life to God that leaves nobody guessing where we stand. Daniel showed consistency to know and follow God's word, and his prayer life was consistent. Daniel 6.10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, writing that was put in He went into his house and his windows, being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, for he did according to God's counsel, doing what he should do. Number two, not only did Daniel stand, Daniel excelled in all that he did. Daniel was profitable to all those around him. He was given gifts, and he developed them. And when the going got tough in the kingdom, who did they go to? Daniel was the one they sent. Number three, not only did he stand, not only did he excel, he had a right heart before the king. He not only honored them, he sought to serve them and to seek their success. If you look closely, he not only earned the trust and respect of his authorities, 
We also want to that's the excellent spirit of Daniel. There's only one other Bible character I can think of that exemplifies such an excellent spirit, and that would be Joseph Jacobs. And they're actually their stories are very similar. So we understand through the lives of Daniel and Joseph what an excellent spirit looks like. We see how they took a stand to serve God, how they excelled in all that they did, and how they won the hearts of the people around them, and how in the final conclusion of their lives, the people they influenced looked past them, saw past them to the source of their excellence to see their God. Hey, that's, that's the goal. That's not an easy Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Today, we're going to look at our children, our grandchildren, our church children. We're going to observe the ways to stimulate the growth in them that will ultimately lead them into a successful life of giving God the glory through their life. Let's pray. Father, Fairly large introduction to a message here. Today we're going to look at some specifics of how to develop into the children around us, and, and, and it applies to ourselves as well, of how to be and how to serve and to a point in our lives where you get the glory. And so, Father, I just pray you guide the teaching, the preaching today. It's a kind of a mixture of both. A lot of very practical things, a lot of very simple things, but a lot of things that maybe we need to think about a little more as we work, as each of us are responsible to one another for the, for the growth our lives, Lord, to you. And so now we just ask that you speak through this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, if you would, turn to Psalms 127. Psalms 127. You may be familiar with this, this psalm, but it makes for a good basis for what I'm going to be preaching about and teaching about. Psalm chapter 127. Psalm 127, beginning in verse 1, it says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Three things I'm going to pull from this scripture to outline our message today. Number one, it is the Lord who will do the building. Therefore, raising our children is not making them in what we want them to be. Our idea happens all the time. Okay. 
but it's a discovery process to find out what God has designed for us to do. That's a great discovery process. Number two, children are to be as in the possession of a mighty man. Okay, he says, therefore, there's a great responsibility, obviously, for parents, church family, to be mighty in the developmental process of a child. Number three, it says there are arrows, that children are as arrows in the battle of the Lord and should be prepared and directed in their life. It is the deployment process of the child. So we have a discovery process, a development process, and a deployment process. First, the discovery process. As we continue through the allegory of building a house, there's perhaps no better room in the house, and I mentioned this last week, to discover children's gift than that of the playroom. Now, some might say, that the schoolroom could be a better place. Now, I would say the schoolroom is a specific place to discover specific things in a child's life, but it's very, it's a very controlled environment. It's it's more like almost of a testing environment. Now, the play area, although Abby doesn't particularly like that recess time, <laughs> is a wide open environment where the gifts of children are openly displayed. Judge watch as some go to the sandbox, others go to the ball field, while others find enjoyment with a baby doll in a bottle. Other things you observe is their human interaction tendencies. One will pick up a ball, throw it up, and hit it, and they can do that all day long. I always wondered if that was kind of how I was. I think it could be a one-man show. I just let the ball, and you'll see it in some children like that. They can play for hours, while others seek to have a ball game. And if there's no interest with others, they quickly lose interest in it. That can be seen in the play of the sandbox or playing house. Some very independent, while others can't seem to be content unless they are engaged with others. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just kind of a revealing of, of the differences in our child and the way that they're gifted and the Ways God's planning to use them in the future. The play area is a superb area. May I say quickly, a quickly gone area of discovery of the raw talents and social tendencies of children. Because it gets kind of glazed over a little bit there. Sometimes they get bullied into trying to be somebody else. But you can rest assured that every child, every child, is uniquely gifted by our Almighty God. There are physical gifts. Some, like Daniel, said, who had no blemish. They have good looks. Some are strong. Some are fast. None of these attributes, though, are to be praised. They're just gifts. You didn't do anything wrong. They're just being. There's, there's no right of praise, and we need to be very careful of praising for things that are just God given. They're recognized as God-given tools for the job he has for them. Some gifts, as oddly as it sounds, are disabilities. That's hard to fathom. 
But God knows what he's doing. Disabilities lead to areas of service in ways that abilities could not. There's a need for everybody in this world and a place for everybody to find, to be an influence for Christ in other people's lives. There are personalities and social behaviors to observe. Many times these are very strong and sometimes can be unnerving. And yes, these must be tamed. We clearly do not want to squash them, but rather recognize them as an important future use in life. So when that child that just pops your ear off and constantly talks and talks and talks and talks and talks, and it might get a little irritating, but realize there's something in that. There's also intellectual and creative gifts to be observed. When when in free play, you will have some children who will choose to go read books. They'll go grab a book and read a book. While others will, at play will show great creativity. They just make stuff. And others have the ability to invent, kind of put things together and make stuff. All very unique gifts. But there are also spiritual aptitudes to discover in your child. Just think about this verse, Galatians 5.22. You're familiar with it, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Sometimes, particularly when these really stand out in children, a lot of times these get brushed over. But man, some of these are the most important things uh, in a person's life service to God. You think about Moses, who was the meekest, he showed meekness, and that was one tremendous aspect he had for the job God gave him to do. When we see these attributes in our children, we should praise them. We should make sure that, that, that those, and then those are good things to have. This gets us involved the development part of the gifts. Now we started with a focus on discovery. Now let's move to a focus on how do we develop? How do we develop? First of all, may I say that the development of children's gifts require, listen to this, this is the biggest thing you want to do, and it's a big broad term, but they need an encouraging constructive environment. What the Bible terms as edification. Edification means to build up. They need, they need an area where they can be built up. Romans 15.2 Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. 1 Corinthians 14.3 But he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. 2 Corinthians 10.8, For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification, and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. 2 Corinthians 13.10, Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest present I should use sharpness, according to the powers the Lord hath given me to edification, and not to destruction. <clears throat> Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things 
wherewith one may edify another, Romans 14.9. An encouraging environment, he said, begins with leadership. As a husband or wife, do you exhibit encouragement to your marriage? Do you edify one another, or do you tear down? You know, as I listen to Abby and the teachers at her school there, there are those that exhibit an encouraging attitude that, that I hear of, very good teachers, yet there are others who may have the greatest looking classroom ever, but yet are known for their bickering, unhappy, yelling atmosphere. Greatest place to be, worst person to be. To put it in simple terms, as far as an environment to develop the gifts of children go, we should develop every person in that group to be cheerleaders. Cheerleaders one for another. If you can imagine this, Abby, you can, this would be the goal of your class. A place of edification, a place of building, a place of caring and concern. And whether home, school, or your church here, the most important thing is not all the wonderful tools. Tools can be bought, but the atmosphere must be made. It's a willful thing. It's an atmosphere that children want to be in, that they feel safe in, and that they can thrive in. It should be an environment where achievement by comparison is not the goal, but rather a place of inspiration to continually improve Personally, that goes for all of us. We've all got things to learn. An excitement, a place of excitement to learn new things. A place where there is no destination of achievement, but rather a new challenge to conquer. You get that? It's not about the awards. It's not about the places. You know, it's about continuing to grow. You know, it's a never-ending task to provide an encouraging environment. To order to have this nurturing environment will require, and we'll talk about this, a whole lot of admonition, or shall we say correction along the way. And when we do the correcting, we should not stop at the infraction, but deeply consider the root of the infraction, the heart issue. You should develop with the heart mind. Deuteronomy 4 9 says, Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Proverbs 4 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Corrections to destructive behaviors should be addressed as heart issues. There's always a heart issue at the root of an infraction. I thought about talking about some of the things that spent four hours with the youth team to explain it, and Nick and the children played very well. But there were some things. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go over 
those. But when I see the things, I when something happens, you, you can just correct the issue and move on. But you need to take one more step. Why? What was the heart? Why would they do something like that? You know, Mike's been preaching the book of Hebrews, and he actually brought it up today. It becomes evident that the sacrifice of bulls and goats was a cover and never fixed the problem. But thanks be to God, Jesus, with a heart of love, cured once for all forever. So we need to look at the root of things. What's going on in the heart of the child that will do such a thing? And we're saying such a thing. Don't think that stuff. And then try to address that. You know, but I'll tell you what, it's hard, isn't it? Especially moms. I mean, usually playtime is a time, break time. They're not playing. I want to look at some very practical things you already know about developing your children that maybe need a reminder. Academics. Learning is essential in life. It is your responsibility to give your children a good education. Remember, they are not your children. They're God's children. Do not superimpose your child's life by what you think is best. Sometimes especially with uh, moms or dads who maybe don't have a, a great education, maybe maybe their academics, they didn't have them growing up, and it's real easy to say, oh, my kids don't know. I'm giving kids a hard time. No, you ought to be able to smell that. <laughs> That's not the right attitude. It depends what God has for them. Some, sometimes we just, we need to drive our kids into the proper academic areas. And ask for God's wisdom, his strength, finances, and safety in directing your child's education. Make sure that they are spiritually stable, that they're able to stand. Should they, like Daniel, need to find an education Unprotected environment. Spend a lot of wasted money on that. Physical fitness, diet, exercise, and sleep. I know these are basic. Sometimes we just need to be reminded, especially in today's age. It seems to be pretty straightforward, but it really isn't anymore. When I was growing up, my mom didn't drive. Two cars or three in a driveway was not the norm like today. We had home-cooked meals most all of the time. They were regular. They were on schedule. They were healthy meals, whether you liked them or not. I did not like cabbage night. Oh, no. And occasional liver and onions. I didn't like the vegetables, either. consequences if I didn't. Mom didn't let us stay in the house and watch TV for long periods of time. We would go outside, play, be creative. We had a dog that we enjoyed named Zach. We had a small little yard in, a, in town. We liked Zach. 
What I liked about Zach at the end, you know what I liked about my most I would do this, and he'd run around and shove his head up. You know, shove his head. He was a lot of fun. But we also had the job of cleaning up the poop, <laughs> which was not so fun. Us kids worked at the little garden we had. We cut and trimmed grass. Some of you, so that's all you know, weed eaters, we had these little clean scissor things that we would just trim along with our hands, all the way along fences. And Mike's shaking his head, he knows what those are. We were responsible to clean up our rooms. We were to be respectful of electric usage and water consumption. My mom had a little sign that said, the shower that said, Save water, shower with a friend. No, I don't recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> but we, you know, we had a cistern that just done with water, you'd go pay for more. We had our bedtimes and routines. This was all healthy developmental things that go with our children the rest of their lives. But today's lifestyle, we just need a warning here. It's not, this is, that lifestyle is not the more common. Homes, many homes have mother and father working so that they can have a lot of time so they can have all the things for their children. But many times those homes suffer with diet, exercise, and sleep. So we discover, we develop, and now let's talk about some corn. You know, as we see natural tendencies of the fruit of spirit in our children, as well as the natural gifts and personalities given to them by God, we should consider the possibilities of future expression of these as a future work in the Lord's church. So yes, as we discover, we also develop, but even through that, they may still be young, okay? But we should keep in mind that God has a future developmental or deployment plan. The time when the arrow is sent out as a new generation of servants to God through their future, their future wife, future children, their career, and their service in the church. Romans 12, 4 says, For as many... For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we bring many, so we being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophesy, prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. You know, here children must understand, before we deploy them, their limitations. You remember, those who are honest about themselves understand what their limitations are. The ones that get in trouble who think they're something and then they fool themselves. It's, it's called, I call it humility. <laughs> but they're going to go out and preach. You know who ought to be the most humble people? The preachers. Especially if you get in the Word of God, man, it just hammers you to death. 
It says, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. Children, before they're deployed, must learn to be patient and prepare for their deployment. I'll tell you, one of the things that I see that's common, that I think is not always a mistake, but many times it's a mistake, is a child graduates from high school, he goes to Bible college, and he comes back, and he takes over the ministry. I think that's kind of a bad thing. I think they need to wait a little bit. I think they ought to go down to bend the knee down to the little children here in that service. There's a big mistake that can happen in that, that type of thing. So, Look at the things, all these things need to be in the Word of God so we can wait on our ministry. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. The last three, we see where children must understand that the, what I would call the how of the gift. How, how do we use this gift? There's something to that. Learning that before they're deployed into it. He that giveth, it says, a giver. Let him do it with simplicity. Giving is to be done in simplicity. The best giver doesn't or doesn't say, you know, here, look at what I did. It's, it's almost a nonchalantly thing. It's just like a regular practice. This is what they do. That's what a true giver is like. It's not an outward show, or as the Bible says, and Jesus warned in Matthew 6, 3, but when thou doest alms, giving, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. If your child should be deployed into leadership, a ruling position, you better train them to be disciplined and diligent. Not everybody's going to be called on that. But you're going to find some. You're going to say, that's not me. They can't do what they're doing. But a leader without diligence, they're going to follow the Lord God. If your child should follow a career that requires mercy, serving people that may not even deserve what they receive because of their previous If we have that calling of mercy, it says, this is how we should do it. Cheerfully. You're going to go down serving the food bank? You know how you do it. If you go serve at close to home, they look in. They need cheerful people. That home is a ministry of mercy. The ones who do well in service there have a heart of mercy. They put Psalm 127, 1. We're going to go back to that. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh 
southern thing. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. That's, that's talking about your job, you know. A lot of times, you know, we spend all this time. We think we need to make money, money, make money, make money to fix all things. And we stay up late, go early. It says, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Remember, God's the one who's going to take care of you. He's not asking you to sacrifice your sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with vehemence and Discover, develop, and prepare to deploy our children for God's purpose. And may I add, again, what that scripture says, happy is the man, children and women, that has their quiver full. That may be your children, that may be your grandchildren, but I'm, I'm talking, there's ones in church that we can expect. comes what things have God put, put his finger on in your life the discovery stage uh, the overlooking things it's life moving too fast we don't have time to really look at these children to consider to pray for to pray for wisdom time to develop. Each one of them have a development plan of their own. And then preparing them to be deployed in the service. We do it right. We understand what the purpose is. It's a happy time. I pray in today's world Exemplify these characters. We can help others find them. Thank you for your attention. I pray that this would help you today in your life and the lives of others. I want to end with a scripture, Hebrews 13 20. Priesthood principle. <laughs> now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Thank you again for your blessed word.
Thank you for all the help that you give us. Thank you that you have a plan. We don't have to worry about that. We just need to get on your plan. We need to pray hard. We need to seek you just for the salvation of our children. To see the gifts, to lead them in the direction that they might bring honor to you.